right. And I guess let's just keep keep it rolling. Yeah. Plurals were hard too. Brian had. Do you want to try that again? Oh, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Welcome to Think Outside the Box Set. It's a podcast about learning to appreciate artists that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. I'm Nathan Hunt. I'm Cameron DeWitt. We're talking about Macklemore. So at this point, I mean, this is the this is the album. This, this is, is when the he album yeah. enters the public conscience. Mm-hmm. Conscious. It, well, that too. <laughs> I get. The, well, yeah, I guess both. Yeah. Um, so. Is he misunderstood, or what do you think at this point, leading uh, up to this? What do you mean? Because like, it, how does he fit into our logline at this point? Oh, I see. Uh, I think at this point he uh, might not necessarily fit with our logline. In fact, because this is probably the height of his success and his relevancy, um, and this is the time at which he is not unrecognized i don't think he's dismissed there definitely becomes like a a macklemore backlash yes and Um, that follows this album yeah probably not that many years after it in fact yeah um so i think that's when we're gonna get into that territory yeah and i think Uh, he's gonna very baldly talk about it in his upcoming songs oh i'm sure he will yeah i'm pretty sure there's a white privilege two song no like it's literally called that i think it is called that like the sequel to the song from earlier wow (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean say what you will about the guy he at least has good intentions i guess yeah he does he he's trying really hard and that's a lot more that can be said of (laughs) well he's he's trying really hard when it comes to being on the right side of history but as far as his rap flow and his lyrics and stuff i wish he may may have tried a little harder (laughs) now here's something i think that this album musically and a lot of the time lyrically i think it's really good oh my god cameron i was so bored you're really bored how come i it just felt like so offensively inoffensive okay well (laughs) (laughs) it was like so milk toast like white bread (laughs) Like, suburban white guy from the, you know, early 2010s. Okay, so... I, was, I felt like I was listening to, to someone who had gone to George Fox, like, try to do a oh hip-hop record. <laughs> Although uh, less homophobic, because that is an incredibly homophobic place. Uh, that is the alma mater of uh, my co-host and I. To our uh, great and, shame. Yeah, we shit on it regularly <laughs> on the main. <laughs> Uh, so, okay. So I think at a certain point, I feel like your judgment of this is about like, this isn't interesting because who Macklemore is, as opposed to what he's doing with who he is and what he's saying. Like the only thing he's doing is talking about himself and who he is. Like it's, it's so, it feels so self-focused and a lot of it feels very humble braggy. Okay, so one of the main themes of this album, and we'll get into it with the individual songs, um, is 
anti-capitalism. Sort of. Like it, it, it gets revisited if, at multiple points. There's a song I don't know about if it's head. coherent enough to say that it's anti-capitalist so much as like anti-materialist. Anti- yeah. Like, maybe. yeah, I, I don't think it really makes a critique of capitalism because he brags about how he succeeds on his own as an independent artist, which is still, you know, under the system. Yeah, of that, capitalism. that's true. Uh, I guess it's his critiques maybe are a little bit more. Well, He's also talking about he's talking about the music industry negatively a lot in this mm-hmm. album. Um, he talks famously in Thrift Shop uh, about um, how he can have all of the swagger of uh, the other people in his genre, um, but without expensive clothes and getting his clothes at a thrift shop instead as sort of offering this subversive and cocky idea that's that's kind of goofy but i think ultimately sincere um yeah i mean there's a lot to unpack there i think it's questionably subversive to be honest okay we'll we'll We'll, get into that i I look forward to it uh there's a song about um him being fine owning an old cadillac and that one i think is kind of the most questionable to me um yeah (laughs) Because I don't, as opposed to like owning like a new, like a modern flashy car. And I was like, I think, I think you're still buying into something here. Um, and then there's a really interesting song. Uh, is it just called gold? Yeah. I actually think that song is really interesting. Cause that's one of the few examples of a song that seems to be entirely poetic and it doesn't seem to be necessarily like a one for one allegory or metaphor for something else. Um, and he's just, he, he's not trying to say something specific, but it feels like there's some weight behind it that has to do with, um, that has to do with material wealth and spiritual wealth. I think there's some really interesting stuff on this album. Maybe you'll convince me. Maybe I'll convince you. Mm, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but there's, there's some moments. I think his flow is a lot better in this. Um, he It doesn't feel like he's just giving up and not editing. It feels like he's actually trying when he strays from his own rhyme schemes. Um, really? I definitely felt like there were some moments where he, it just felt like he just didn't edit like we've seen him do before. Uh, I, if so, I felt like it was... It's like those moments I, I can have more trust in them if they're surrounded by moments with actually good flow yeah, and interesting phrasing. And I have a few sound samples uh, where I think he does some interesting stuff vis-a-vis rap. Uh, And also I think Ryan Lewis's production, and this is his first album with Ryan Lewis. He had one track that he produced on the last album, the Mm -hmm. unplanned mixtape. I think Ryan Lewis is an excellent pop producer. Um, And I feel yeah. like he kind of created tropes that would like influence like uh, yeah. pop music for like a decade. Um, well, I, well, I, I don't, I couldn't speak to whether he created them or not. Um, maybe that's part of why I dislike it is it's a pop record instead of a hip hop record. It's very much a pop record, but yeah. I like pop music sometimes and I thought it was really fun. Yeah. 
so um all right let's fight let's fight yeah <laughs> round one well, i'm just oh god putting his flow aside the way he has developed his voice like the literal sound of his voice the, the really bugs me I, d- I don't like his voice either yeah like it doesn't I liked really bug me but earlier I don't stuff i don't care for it it's it just i don't know it feels like the the vocal equivalent of just you guys like that that kind of like capitalism you guys you guys just that kind of like hectoring um like self-righteous is too strong but that like kind of like self-assured like like uh like lecturing tone but in a sigh and i I just i don't like that very much i cannot uh argue with that (laughs) (laughs) also he writes Um, malcolm gladwell fanfic so (laughs) okay yeah that is the first song (laughs) (laughs) let's get into it yeah let's do it i got around the country and i hit these stages i was made to slay them Ten thousand hours i'm so damn close i can taste it also malcolm gladwell david bowie meets kanye shit this is dedication a life lived for art has never been life wasted Ten thousand. So would you describe Macklemore as Malcolm Gladwell, David Bowie meets Kanye? Totally. <laughs> totally. I don't even know what he thinks he's going for with that. Yeah. What do you think like, about Malcolm Gladwell? Well, I think he's a complete charlatan. Uh, so he, f- he mm-hmm. wrote the, the he came up with the idea of it takes 10,000 hours to be a master at something, right? Well, if if by came up with you mean misinterpreted a scientific study and popularized something completely wrong, then yeah, he invented it. Okay, go off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you go Get on the Wikipedia, <laughs> if you go on the Okay. Well, he's he is kind of the poster child for uh cherry picking uh, data to fit his hypotheses rather than the, than the other way around. Yes. Um, and that's something that he is well known for doing um, and just kind of writing pop science that has no substance. It either is like just quote unquote common sense or co- or like confirmation bias or it's just wildly inaccurate. Like, uh, And then in, in particular, the idea of the 10,000 hours um, Wikipedia says Anders Ericsson, who conducted the study upon which the quote 10,000 hour rule was based unquote has written that Gladwell has overgeneralized misinterpreted and oversimplified his findings. <gasps> what? Shocking, right? No. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, it's funny that Steven Pinker, um, uh, says the reasoning in outliers, which consists of cherry picked anecdotes, post hoc sophistry and false dichotomies had me gnawing on my Kindle which is pretty Ooh. rich coming from Steven Pinker, who does all of those exact same things and is okay. also an intellectual charlatan. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love so- the shade. Sophist is a good, is a good word actually for both those, both these yokels. What? No, break that down for um, our simpleton listeners because I understand, but you know, you are the <laughs> one who, who used the word. So go ahead and explain that for our, our more pedestrian listenership. Oh, what a, what a, uh, what does it mean to be sophist in your in your words 
it's it's mostly a metaphor at this point like calling someone a philistine like it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the actual sophists who were a school of greek thought but it was in um was it aristotle or no it was it was socrates who just like completely goes off on them has like these big old diss tracks all about how shitty the sophists were and how they were just like total frauds um they're kind of like the the <laughs> pop science um, uh, people of their day. I see. Walking around okay. philosophizing and um, uh, like teaching, but they were um, <clears throat> they were not correct. Okay, wrong people. Wrong right. people. Well, yeah, they're just like they set themselves up as intellectuals, but they have no clue what they're doing, basically. That's yeah, all. it's like you're you're just like your run of the mill radio lab listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NPR cool dads. Yeah, NPR cool dads. Is that a thing? That's that's a uh, borrowing a phrase from my friend Zach. <laughs> oh, cool. So I can't put that in the learning links unless he's published that somewhere. I yeah. I mean, he might not have even invented it. I don't know. Let me search Google for NPR cool dad. <laughs> Let me see if I get anything. I get uh, optical illusion buttons in Python. Hmm. Or the front bottoms hit the tiny desk at NPR from Cool Dad Music. Now, Cameron, <laughs> do you want to watch a band called The Front Bottoms? Very much so. <laughs> okay. Apparently, they were around in 2013, and they were on uh, Tiny Desk. So, everyone check that out. The Front Bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good name. It's very evocative. I'll put it that way. Yes. What about uh, this song, though? This is just about him oh, succeeding yeah. at the rap game, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's basically a slight spin on that started from the bottom. Now we're here style song of just like sure, I overcame all this. <laughs> yeah. At the front bottom. Yeah. <laughs> started at the front bottom. Now we're front here. Um, it's basically just saying like I overcame a lot of stuff um, and here I am and I don't know sometimes you know in those kinds of songs people will talk about their talent sometimes they'll talk about their hustle or just their drive or determination here he just says it's because he practiced it a lot right he also says that he battled with some drug abuse Sort of. It's um, a pretty offhanded reference. He doesn't really flesh it out. It's true. He just sort of names a bunch of a bunch of obstacles in his way. Which is funny because it's like he, I don't feel like he really arrived until after this album. So I feel yeah. like he's like doing a Babe Ruth called shot. Yeah, bit. basically. Uh people won't shut up about the unplanned mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That shit was everywhere. And my uh my hot takes on on Bush. I'm evil. <laughs> Remember when Bush said that? Remember? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, okay. So here's here's probably the the cringiest kind of line to me because he's talking about like greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's greatest obstacle. Uh, I beat him. Oh no no no! Sorry. Put the gloves on. Sparring with my ego. Everyone's yeah. greatest obstacle. Uh, Macklemore's ego. I beat him. Mm-hmm. celebrate that achievement got some attachments some baggage i'm actually working on leaving see i observed escher mm-hmm. i love how do you pronounce this name basquiat 
Basquiat. Who is that? Uh, he is a uh, postmodern uh, painter slash collagist from. Holy shit! This is cool. In the seventies through the eighties. All um, right. Yeah, our our friend. Uh, well, I don't know if you knew her, uh, Megan Headley. Like, was really into his stuff and was influenced by some of his um, painting because he he like puts objects on a canvas, so the painting is very three dimensional. So it's like a, a cross between a collage and a painting. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, he the, does a lot of cool stuff. The little thing here. Anyway, so um, I love Basquiat. I watched Keith Haring, uh, some other artist. And yeah. then he says, you see, I study art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I hate <laughs> that he says that. Yes. There's a lot to hate in these lines that you're quoting. Yeah. And he says the greats weren't great because at birth they could paint. Um, the greats were great because they'd paint a lot. And then yeah. he <laughs> talks about how he won't just be a statistic, etc. And he um, has a, a bizarre reference to no child left behind for like no apparent reason. Yeah. Like, um, what is he even talking about? And then he talks about his SAT scores. <laughs> he says he got a 980 <laughs> on his SATs. I don't even know if that's low or high. It's been so long. <laughs> I think that's around. I think this was the time or when he took it probably was the time where it was on a 1600 point scale. Okay. So he's trying to say like he's um, average. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think so, that's slightly below average. In fact, the, the, the thing that kind of bothers me about this song is an except uh, exceptionalism like narratives in general or achieving your dreams narratives mm-hmm. is that I feel like it's really offensive to, to people who don't have a dream or decided not to pursue their dream and are doing um, equally or more valid uh, work in order to keep our society going. <laughs> yep it also doesn't acknowledge privilege no um ironically the book that he name checks this outliers book um actually uh apparently i haven't read it but apparently does spend some time talking about how important it is to have like an affluent background in order to succeed um yeah which which i feel like is a really shitty thing to say too (laughs) well i mean it is i mean i it it is but it's kind of true like there are much fewer people who quote unquote succeed who come from disadvantaged backgrounds than come from like advantaged backgrounds. You know? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, okay. I think we can, I think we can agree that this is an annoying song. Yeah. Uh, especially at the end, he says, welcome to the heist. Um, and yeah. I think his, his idea is that he's, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> to reference another, I think Malcolm Gladwell idea. He's David, and like the Goliath is like the music industry, and yeah, um, and he has uh, slain it. He's heisted it. He's, He's heisted. pulled oh, an Italian me. job. <laughs> yeah, uh, which <laughs> becomes um, most apparent in a song later that's literally called Jimmy Yovin. Um, do you think there's a do you think there's a porn called Italian Job? <laughs> oh, I'm sure there is. Well, <laughs> the Italian S- Sylvester job. Stallone's uh, first starring role was in a porno film called The Italian Stallion. So, oh, I didn't know where that. <laughs> yep. I mean, surely people have rhymed those words before. But I mean, before Sly. 
Yeah. Yeah, probably. But I didn't know that that's <laughs> where the thunder it from the down under lex- the Italian lexicon. stallion himself. <laughs> Uh, With the sexiest okay, name alive, Sylvester. Yes. <laughs> the That's first name wants- that wets panties all over the country, Sylvester. <laughs> uh, shout out to all our Sylvester listeners. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't mean to dunk you're, on your name. <laughs> you're super sexy. Nathan's not being ironic. Fuck. Now I feel bad. Damn it. Yeah, you're. <laughs> it's, okay. I'm, I'm going to stop. Let's talk about Can't Hold Us. Behind. Uh, Would you say yeah, that? Okay that this is like this is one of the big singles it really was it was everywhere yeah do you yeah. like the the singer in this? Uh, not really. I think his voice is really lovely, and I and I think the well, content of the I think the content of the lyrics is you know whatever. It's like a typical like t- <laughs> like uh, just vague in- inspirational song. Well, like but, inspirational dance song. <laughs> yeah, I inspire. <laughs> There was a lot. There's a lot of these around that time. There was that one by Fun. It was like tonight. tonight. God, I hate that song. <laughs> and you're a fun. You were a fun stan. I was an OG fun stan from like their first out al- before their first album came out. In fact, yeah, because uh, they had one of the members of Anathalo in it, and I loved Anathalo, so I started oh, following yeah. them. Yeah, they're good. Um, yeah. This. I mean, his. I the think vo- his voice the is great. Technique is good, and I guess I guess his voice is good. I just I. I guess I'm responding more to like just. Well, you don't I like good do voices, not, Nathan. Well, I do not like the melody or the content of what he's singing, and I don't particularly like just how it all comes together in the chorus. Personally, all right, let me let me ask you a question. I'm going to grill mm. you a little bit. Okay. Uh, can you think of a singer whose voice you love, uh, divorced from the lyrics that they sing? Hmm. And and specifically I would say a singer who has something nearer to a conventionally pretty voice. Um hmm. Is that a thing that is desirable to you? You mean kind of like a vocal technician? Yeah, I In mean a, a vocal technician. Are there any vocal technicians who you enjoy listening to and it doesn't really matter what they sing? Because this is the way that a lot of people engage with music. Hmm. And I feel like it would be obtuse of us to just throw away uh, how lovely this singer is in the way that he sings. I and guess how so. interesting his voice I, is. I guess I'm not really a connoisseur of singers, personally. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about singing. I don't really... Um, like seek out music because of the singers. Um, it's not, I guess, of the highest importance for me. So I guess I don't think I probably would listen to music that I don't, you know, is not my favorite, but has a very good singer. I probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. Not, not out of any, like, not out of any, like grand conviction, more just like, eh, whatever. I don't have time for that. (laughs) 
Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just, I just, I'm just thinking that like for, for a very long time since recorded music, that is sort of the main way that people like engage with music is how is the singer? Is mm-hmm. the singer good? Is the singer have a command of their voice? And it doesn't matter who wrote the song. It doesn't matter the content of the song. Often it's yeah. like, am I enjoying listening to this singer? Hmm. I feel yeah. that way about Sam, Sam Smith. I don't really care for his songwriting or whoever writes his songs. I think his voice is amazing and mm-hmm. I love listening to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot to say their voice. They recently came out as non-binary. Sam Smith. I, yeah, I just haven't oh. talked about them to anyone else, so <laughs> uh, I haven't had uh, the chance to correct myself yet. Yes, ah, okay. their voice I think is lovely. I wonder has Wikipedia started putting like pronouns or anything on Wikipedia pages? Oh, they really should. Yeah. Well, um, I have some musical things to point out, other than th- that. Uh, Ray oh, Dalton's. They, they do use the the they pronoun in the Wikipedia article for oh, Sam good. Smith. Yeah, thank you, um, Wikipedia writers, <laughs> for your for your work. I don't understand how it all works. Mm-hmm. I would like someone to write a Wikipedia page for me so that I could ha- be put so I could put myself out there. But I know I'm not supposed to do it. So this is just a, a call if anyone mm-hmm. wants to you heard him, include listeners. my name on the old time music uh wikipedia and make a page for me and link me <laughs> <laughs> that would be great for me mm-hmm. um so let's see what should we actually listen to here uh there's a there's a moment there's a moment where Macklemore, i think has a really interesting rhyme scheme um it's right before the sound sample that you played and uh, Daisy chains with it a little bit. Uh, he he rhymes. Uh, Trust me, hustling, uh, bustling, crushing, and nothing. Uh, and every time he rhymes, he he lands on a different beat in in a way that I think is actually pretty interesting. Uh, so he ends. Trust me on beat three, hustling on beat four, bussing after the following beat four, and then on beat two after that. And then crushing and nothing both on beat four, um, mm. and I think it's a really I think it's really clever musically and really engaging. The mm. content of the lyrics are just like I'm, it's not my favorite moment of his lyrically, but I think musically it's it's pretty nice. Mm. Which uh, sound sample is that? Rhyme lands in different places. To pass the torch and put on for my town. Trust me, on my I N D E P E N D E N T shit hustling, chasing dreams since I was fourteen with the four track busting. Halfway across that city with the back, 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 Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. We get that. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's really musically interesting and worth noting. I, yes. there, there were more moments like that in this album. I didn't have the time to actually count them out um, every time because that takes time. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah I, I thought that was impressive. Hmm. Yeah, creative. I like that. Um, I wish Do you he... like the low. Hmm? Go ahead. I was gonna say I wish he did more with that. Like, me I too. Think, I think he could have well more of that, but also more with that in this specific example. Like he could have had some more uh, interesting flow and some more like internal rhymes and and stuff like that more inventive language 
yeah. uh, in this particular spot. But I do like placing the rhymes at different points in the in the rhythm. Uh, I like the the low brass. I think it's super fun. It's obviously very poppy. But do do you want to play that? Sure. Nope. I think that's the right one. I mean, go hard like I got an eight away in my heartbeat. And I'm eating at the beat like it gave a little speed to a great white shark on shark. We rock. Time to go off. I'm gone. Deuces goodbye. I got a world to see. My girl, she want to see Rome. See, so make you a believer now. I never ever did it for a throne. Yeah. I like that. I'm eating like at the beat brass. like you gave a little speed to a great white sh- shark on Shark Week. Raw. <laughs> I think maybe part of yeah. why I dislike the song is I used to have it on a running playlist. So I listened to it uh, too much. In oh, so this sh- is a shame song for you. <laughs> no, I wouldn't go nah, that far. We're getting to it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <clears throat> okay, so I think uh, the weakest point of this song is um, there's this bridge uh, where I don't know the name of this, where it's like, it's like a shout chorus or something, um, where it's like claps on the offbeat and da, da. And it's na 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 na, and then uh, what's his name? Ray Dalton. Ray Dalton. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Dalton goes. Oh, he does a run, uh, and he does this four times, but the last time, instead of going oh 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 or uh uh uh, uh. he he does this. <laughs> do you want to do the one that's in all caps? Yeah. that's a bad that's not good mac uh 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 oh more oh boy i don't i never noticed that before because i've heard this song plenty of times as well and uh yeah i think that's that's bad strange (laughs) strange choice Mm -hmm. all right you want to move on to the big granddaddy of them all yes let's do that I found it. I had a broken keyboard. I bought a broken keyboard. I bought a ski blanket. Then I bought a keyboard. Hello, hello, my ace man, my mellow. John Wayne ain't got nothing on my fringe game. Hell no. I could take some pro wings, make them cool, sell those. The sneaker heads would be like, ah, he got the Velcro. I'm gonna pop some tags. Only got $20 in my pocket. I'm looking for a come up. This is fucking so this is, uh, I cannot even tell you how many people uh, sent this song to me around these times. I was going to ask, because you have always been, in my entire time knowing you, a consummate thrift shopper. Yeah, I do a lot of stuff at thrift shops. Um, <laughs> oftentimes, uh, because you get a lot better stuff for less money than if you just like go to a mall or something. Get a bunch so it of sounds garbage. like you must really like this song. Yeah, well... <laughs> <'Cause> how- <laughs> I feel like you could write entire books about this song, honestly. Interesting. Not necessarily because of the song itself or that it is that interesting, but because of um, so many of its reverberations. Uh, yes. There's, there's a lot of levels. Um, one level is that Macklemore is um, providing a contrast to the materialism often found in pop music by celebrating... Uh, stuff found in thrift shops and yes. uh, how uh, you can spend not very much money and still feel like you're glam and you are um, uh, good looking and you are uh, like peacocking with your clothes. And, and specifically being aloof 
like I'm not subscribed to what corporate America tells me that I need to own in order to have status. Right. I don't need that. I can find my own and make my own. Yes, exactly. There's a pride in it, a humble brag, if you will. Yeah. Um, he specifically at one point talks about uh, a Gucci, t- how Gucci is selling a $50 t-shirt. And uh, he says, $50 for a t-shirt, that's just some ignorant bitch shit. I call it getting swindled and pimp shit. I call it getting tricked by a business. And then on the uh, annotation for that on the genius, uh, somebody posts a photo of the merch table at one of Macklemore's concerts where he is selling a $50 long sleeve ah, shirt <laughs> that says Macklemore and Ryan Lewis on it. And it is $50 on wow, the dot. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Um, it's, it's not, I don't know if it's technically a t-shirt cause it is long sleeved. I don't remember if that is technically a t-shirt, but still, is one um, of the chapters in this book about gentrifying thrift shops? Yes. Yes, it okay. is. I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's another level is take it down another level. This is around the time. This is an example of and probably helped further perpetuate uh, the sort of hipster aesthetic, which involved uh, usually young, often men, uh, well, post, mostly post-recession millennials. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the hipster yeah. years. Um where a lot of them were cash poor um, or didn't have like a lot of liquidity, like myself included. Um, But it was also cool to shop at a thrift store and buy like, like ugly nineties clothes and wear them. And that was like, that was cool. And so it was like this, this weird confluence of energies where like, people it's it's kind of what happened to pbr also it's like people drank pbr because they couldn't afford the fancy beers but then once pbr started getting some of that cultural cachet from being drunk by the cool hipsters like everyone started glomming on it and like celebrities started drinking pbr yes and so the same like but it's like you said gentrification so macklemore as far as we know it's like i remember south park just a couple years before PBR became a hipster beer, South Park was like lampooning, you know, white trash people for drinking PBR. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was uh, definitely associated with what people would call white trash. I, that is not, <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not saying that's your say. words. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying cancel. Yeah. Cameron's no. cancel. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so there's the gentrification of the thrift shop and how he clearly is spending money frivolously. He may only have $20, but it's completely discretionary. And he's not doing it out of need, necessarily. Yeah, yeah he's, and you know, some of these places are literally charity shops, which exist in order to take the unwanted cast-off stuff and provide them to disadvantaged people at a price they can afford. And he's rolling up and snatching all the good stuff um, because he is a, as far as we know, someone from a pretty privileged background. Um, and yeah, he might, he might not have that much cash, but he can't afford to throw it away on frivolity. Yeah. I'd be interested. I'd be interested to hear from thrift shop owners, people who run them. Has this, has this affected, uh, the culture of running a thrift shop? Um, 
or thrift shops in general, like, are there still places where actually, actually poor people can go to get things? Um, or has it flooded the market in a way that like has allowed for different levels of shopping at a thrift shop? You know what I mean? Like I could see hypothetically it not having a just straight up gentrification effect. Um, Right. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be curious to see what the actual effect is. Yeah. But I I think culturally and sensitivity, (laughs) the sensitivity of it is a little fraught. Yes. If nothing else. To be honest, I feel like, um, ebay and resellers have probably done uh much more damage to thrift shops than macklemore ever has yeah yeah a lot of the good shit is picked over and like taken to ebay either by you know i think some employees are doing it or people who like get there early and snatch it up and just resell it yeah Um, which is not you know in and of itself necessarily a bad thing because it's some way to make a living if uh again you might be disadvantaged and that's a way you can make a living in a uh society that is constantly trying to grind you down into dust um right i mean that that is another thing to consider is i mean like i said this is you know the people who are hipsters and like going to thrift shops and like um trying to find new ways to express (laughs) their class even though they have the often the same amount of money as people who are not in the same class as them socioeconomic more socio than economic uh but they have more social capital i guess you could say totally but the yeah i remember you know graduate like being in college and not being able to find a job during the recession and after the recession and it was just like that's the only world I've known. Uh, and it was yeah, kind of awful and extremely anxiety producing. And I, I had to get food stamps. Me too. Uh, I had to, I had to shop at thrift stores and I did. I, I mean, I still do, but I did exclusively shop at thrift stores for, I don't know, 12 years out of, out of high school. That's all I did. And then I would get clothes bought for me by, um, baby boomers. Right. And <laughs> you know, like, uh, which is like privilege, you know, but like, I think it is worth noting that like this generation that he's speaking to, um, has a, even, even in its privilege, ha- uh, we have some, like, we have been marginalized as a generation. Yes, absolutely. Across, yeah. across socioeconomic boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and here's here's my final level to take this to. Here's my here's my galaxy brain Please. take. It's it's the question: Why is hip hop music materialistic? Yes, because he is specifically uh, he is specifically um, well by implication he is criticizing rappers who uh, brag about having gold chains or ice grills or fancy cars or really cool clothes that are expensive or something. He's by implication criticizing them and saying they're getting uh, tricked by a business. They're swindled and pimped. And he is saying that's not only ignorant bitch shit, but it's also like he has a better way that is more fun and more creative and truer to himself uh, so he's he's kind of explicitly saying that he is the antidote to materialism in pop and hip hop music. 
and i think yes, that's it's not dissimilar to his first album in that regard yes and i think that there is a part of that that is profoundly misguided um in that uh not to paint with too broad a brush or to make generalizations about everyone of course but to say that uh a lot of hip-hop artists or rappers um have come from very disadvantaged backgrounds um and they have grown up in a pop culture that does not value uh poor people of color and um they've grown up in a time of uh politicians harping about things like welfare queens or super predators yes and all this rhetoric about um what is it like uh inner city or urban all these like euphemisms for uh poor people of color and um not only that like just the representation but also the fact that a lot of them did grow up in poverty and uh statistically speaking like people of color are a lot less have a lot less wealth than white people but specifically in boston here you you see that the like the average wealth uh net worth rather of a white family is like 34 grand or something and for a black family in massachusetts it's eight dollars it's literally eight dollars jesus like when it when you count up debt versus like assets and stuff um, and the Boston Globe had to like literally print a follow-up article saying, no, that wasn't a typo. It is yeah. literally $8. Um, so with all that as background, when a rapper does achieve a measure of success and uh, talks about their material wealth, it is oftentimes a defiant um, strike back at this uh, whole society that has oppressed them and... Um, yeah has like portrayed them as poor and from like quote unquote broken homes and like inner city and like all these like images and buzzwords and stuff and so they are sort of asserting their dignity in a way by um, pointing out their material wealth yeah yeah and I I don't I don't mean to like speak for anyone Um, this is not my idea i did not come up with this this comes from a uh i I first learned rather about it i should say i first learned about it from a scholar of hip-hop uh named oh no what's her name she's a poet and a scholar of hip-hop she's really good i forget her name um tracy morris maybe (laughs) i was like don't say morgan (laughs) 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 you asshole (laughs) i want to say michael jackson No, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't mean to say like, this is my original idea or, um, like I, I think, I think I read about this at first in, in a, an article that was also addressing some of the uh, culture of misogyny or violence in hip hop and explaining that like, yeah, it was sort of how we talked about with ICP a lot is of it, the way. Is it Tracy Morris? That's it. Tracy Morris. Yeah. Great. She's super cool. I like her a lot. Um, but like we talked about with ICP, like the violence isn't necessarily true, isn't necessarily uh, prescriptive or descriptive necessarily, but is kind of like metaphorical in a way of asserting your power in a system that uh, is profoundly disempowering to you. And that is not only for people of color. We see it happens with ICP, of course. Yes. Um, so yeah, that that's like, that's my galaxy brain take on that is that I acknowledge that he is, 
of course, well-intentioned and that there is some validity to uh, criticizing... Well, there's a lot of validity to criticizing materialism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And thrift shops are great for this reason. And thrift shops are great. We Um, shouldn't be making new clothes to the extent that we do. Fast fashion is like one of the big... (laughs) <laughs> like uh it's killing us it yeah i mean global warming fast fashion cotton producing it's fucked yeah 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 um so there's definitely like a lot to criticize but i think specifically especially in context of like the club and hip-hop music i think uh there's definitely some part of it that is um profoundly just dis- misguided for this like white gentrifier guy to come in and just start talking like he knows better yeah i that makes a lot of sense um i'm reminded of john steinbeck i think in a couple different books he recycles this idea but he at least says it in travels with charlie which is his like travelogue um where he goes around the united states does he go with anyone um he goes with charlie oh oh, that's interesting (laughs) yeah and uh, you know, he meets people and has conversations. It feels very fictionalized. I don't know to what extent it is. Um, but um, he has a conversation with someone at some point who I believe how it goes is they assume that he's rich and he's like, how do you know that I'm rich? How do you know that I'm successful? And he says, well, because you're dressed so poorly. <laughs> it's like, if you were poor, you couldn't afford to present yourself this way. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that this song is sort of that in a nutshell. Um, not that you can't get uh, awesome clothes at a thrift store, but specifically, um, Macklemore is talking about, uh, he's talking about camp. Um, and it, yeah. it takes a certain amount of privilege to present yourself with camp. Um, well, privilege or like defiance. This. Privilege or defiance. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the <laughs> concept of camp is like, yeah, very like tied to like um, to gay culture and queer right. culture. But yeah. um, I do not think that that's where he's coming from. Oh, no. In, in fact, is it the next song? Oh, it's two songs later. He specifically <laughs> talks at length about how he's not gay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh man, we're running like a little bit short on time on my end. Um, there's so much more to talk about. Um, can we touch on same love? We've talked about it a lot so far. Yeah. Just in the show in general, if not, uh, just the season. Um, and the, the excellent, think, uh, lonely, well, the, the parody song from the lonely Island, uh, uh, movie pop star, never stop, never stopping, I think is, is its yeah. full title. <laughs> Uh, it features Andy Samberg as sort of a Justin Bieber type who uh, I think you alluded to earlier. He has a song called not gay and he, it's p- he, he like is very sincerely trying to talk about how cool it is that gay people are getting married and stuff, but he just keeps getting sidetracked by just shouting out not gay. Yeah. <laughs> and yelling straight coded things like monster uh, trucks and, and football. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That song is basically the third host of the show at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I can't, I think about it all the time. Uh, so I think if we were to choose two more songs to thriftly go uh, to thriftly to, to thriftly, quickly go through, Oh, it's a little bit of a Freudian <laughs> slip. Wouldn't you say? Oh no. <laughs> um, would be, 
Is is that when you um you you slip and fall on a penis? I mean a banana. <laughs> um, same love, and uh, I would want to talk about that. And I'm also interested in talking about cowboy boots very briefly. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm down with that. The rest of the I okay, think cool. A lot of the music is um, at least thematically pretty repetitive of what we've talked about. Uh, yes. You mentioned earlier the song White Walls, which is about driving an older Cadillac. It has like a yes. lot of similar themes to thrift shop. Um, and I believe he still says that he spends like a good deal of money on this car. Yeah. He spends $30,000 on this Cadillac, which is like, Jesus Christ, I'm never going to be able to spend $30,000 <laughs> on a car. <laughs> and these are $2012. Like it'd be even like more today, you know? Whew. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's talk about same love real quick. Yeah. Predisposition playing God. Oh, nah, here we go. America the brave. Still fears what we don't know. And God loves all his children. It's somehow forgotten. But we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. Ba-ba, I don't know. And I can't change. Even if I tried. Even if I wanted to. I think that's, that's a, a point where he drops the rhyme that I'm not very into. Hmm, which one? Uh, just in that sound sample, he says, America the brave still fears what we don't know, and God loves all his children is somehow forgotten. I guess that's almost an internal rhyme there. Uh, but then he follows it up with, but we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. So it's like an ABA right. rhyme scheme, and the B is just dropped. And I don't know. Th- hmm. it's, it doesn't strike my ear very well. Hmm. And uh, I feel like a lot of the rhetoric in this song is, is pretty tired and pretty basic. Um, I like to th- <laughs> like to with think- a song that's tired and basic. You don't yeah. say. <laughs> I like to think that the effect of this song on potential allies would be would be great. Um, I think the chorus. I think the chorus alone, and this doesn't have anything to do with Macklemore. This is all Ryan Lewis and the singer. Right. Mary Lambert, who is uh, a lesbian, I believe. I looked her up on Wikipedia. I think her voice is lovely. Uh Uh-huh. And to hear a... I think to... I mean, this is fraught, too, you know, but to hear a, a feminine, lovely, gentle voice with you know very sentimental you know piano music behind it um with a hip-hop beat like it's all the elements are there to make you to to make a the the typical listener feel nostalgic to feel feelings of um openness i would say mm-hmm. like it has the elements there musically uh and timbrally to to make the listener in in a, a typical pop music listener to in, enjoy what they're hearing. And then to have that with a woman singing about, um, I mean, ultimately like being in bed with another woman and being in love with her, yeah. I think is extremely powerful um, to be as public as the song was um, and to be as frank as just that chorus is. I think Macklemore's part in this song, he may do some, he may have helped get through to some people by very like p- plainly and prosaically as his, his want um, mm-hmm. laying out why it is illogical to have prejudice against gay folks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
it's a pretty i mean it's one of those things where it's like if you explain why it's illogical it's it's um it's just so obvious right it's and it, <laughs> that it feels pedantic to say yeah like, <laughs> and it's also like pretty ineffective i would say like those people didn't reason themselves into that position so are they going to be right. reasoned out of it like i th- yeah <laughs> i mean i i i don't think i was i don't think i've ever been um logically homophobic but i was raised to be homophobic right um and i don't think i was ever truly cured of my internalized homophobia and i see this as a queer man um i i don't think i was ever cured of it until i started making until i started caring about specific people who were gay Mm -hmm. and having relationships with them or seeing them and respecting them um and i think this song hypothetically could serve as as a gateway um for somebody um, a gay way <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's i think that's um a lovely joke <laughs> i really like that uh yeah i think it could um just just from hearing the chorus i i think those elements together and then maybe macklemore kind of laying it out in this powerpoint-esque kind of way (laughs) that is kind of how Um, he writes some of his uh social commentary isn't it (laughs) yeah he's got a real like hot take on the bible oh yeah that it was written a very long time ago (laughs) oh dang (laughs) i I didn't know that holy shit wow (laughs) and that maybe maybe some of the of its you know believers aren't truly like uh following its its tenets Um, unprecedented right uh but i I still, I, I don't know. I still kind of have a soft spot for the song because I remember it affected me um, thinking like, wow, it, it at the time, and this is, yeah, two years after um, the Supreme Court decision. Um, like at the time, I remember feeling like, wow, this is like affecting me to hear um, this uh, gay voice being gay in a nice uh, way that's comforting and is paired with this sort of nostalgic pop music, uh, as if it's not a huge deal. And then <laughs> the verses are just like, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think yeah. they're really annoying. I, yeah. I, 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 We've talked about that yeah, before. I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think I had really heard this song actually. Like I, I don't really listen to the radio that much. I didn't really follow Macklemore except this one song people kept sending to me. And, somehow I ended up with a different song on my running playlist. So I, I wasn't like, I don't think I ever really heard this song beyond like the opening verse. I might've like turned it off after hearing the ridiculous lines about how, um, he, uh, he cleans his room. So that means he's that people, that he thought he was gay. (laughs) To be fair in, in the, I mean, he is centering his own narrative and he doesn't need to do that necessarily. Yes. But to, to be fair, he says in the song a few lines later, I realize he says something to the effect of I realize now that those were just um, useless stereotypes. Right. You know, and, and like it, and it does fit with a lot of the just uh, latent. Well, not latent, but um, the homophobia, the widespread homophobia in our culture at the time, like when we were growing up, um, I could definitely hear one kid say, say like hearing that another one cleaned his room is like that's gay 
Right. There's constant uh, policing of of coding, of right. um, the way that you represent yourself, regardless of uh, who you want to fuck. Um, yeah. If because because it's not it's not just homophobia. It's also like patriarchy, and it's like I think there is a a unique pressure on young men um, right. to to not code as as gay or divergent because. Um, the more people who are divergent, um, the less national security we have, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, like, these people, you know, uh, at, I mean, for a long time, you know, wouldn't you wouldn't be allowed to join the military and fight and die and yeah. do uh, and do bad things um, to keep our freedoms, you know. Yeah, so, like, exactly. it's 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 politically subversive to. Not just to be gay, but to be even even to be straight and to be like a feat, you right. know, or like anything other than masculine coded. Yeah, which is so, so weird considering how like Spartans were gay as hell. Yes, I mean that might be sort <laughs> I mean, of a of a like a urban myth, but I, I'm not. I mean, look at look at Pete that. Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yes, that I mean look he's technically gay. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. But I guess. he's not. He's not. Dude's he's not, coded like every other, just like veteran, like white, rich asshole yeah. dude. You know, can, like, can you be married to a man as a man and not be gay? Because <laughs> if you can, that might be Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah, it's what's the opposite of a beard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh God. Oh shit. Um. Anyway, what I was trying to say was uh i don't think i'd really heard this song and i agree with you that the chorus is really lovely and impactful okay cool yeah uh but yeah back part in this song i think is um the weakest part may may be useful for some people but ultimately uh a confirmation bias for most people who would already like the song and um yeah just kind of like a tiresome in its rhetoric um and it, it's in its centering on his um Ultimately, mostly pretty conforming, like straight coding. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, also, I wish it would have centered his uncle a little bit more. Like, yeah, his uncle gets he like talks about such his uncle a, twice. Yeah, he, he gets such a throwaway spoken so quickly. He's like, when I was in the third grade, I thought I was gay because I could draw. My uncle was, and I kept my room straight. It's like the yeah. uncle was part is like so. Make the first verse about your uncle. Yeah, make the first verse about your uncle. Ding dong. And he sounds I, like a cool guy. I from the two things think? from the one thing that i know about him is that he's gay yeah he sounds cool as hell <laughs> and that apparently you were still allowed to hang out with him so like yeah. i don't know sounds cool <laughs> i think it i mean i this is conjecture here but there are two older men on the cover of the single i think that might be his uncle and his uncle's partner um well that's sweet yeah and later in the song he does talk about um political advocacy until his uncle and his uncle can get married to his husband i think is generally the thrust of that yes he says till the day that my uncles can be united by law which is actually a really nice way of saying that to recognize both of them as his uncles but i believe this didn't this song come out after that uh (laughs) after it was legal it uh i'm not an expert here but i don't think it was fully legal in every state until 2015 oh interesting yeah huh well um I want to talk about Cowboy Boots really briefly. Mostly, I just want to... I think this song is specifically a a critique of 
kind of hipster culture and it and it i think in an ironic way uses like mumford and sons um production yeah (laughs) and i think that's worth noting yeah i because yeah it's it's grading to me in the same way that mumford and sons is grading so i I think it's on purpose i appreciate that yeah it's on purpose and it's like kind of ironic okay TBR there. It's not that clever. I mean, it's basically like a college humor sketch or something. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the point of this whole song is, but I I got a chuckle out of it. It's so silly. And yeah. it's maybe some of the more like subtle um humor we've seen from Macklemore because like his delivery He, he doesn't say I'm evil. Yeah, he doesn't say I'm evil. <laughs> his delivery is like pretty standard Macklemore, just like fluffy bullshit like that 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 part we heard in the sound sample and acquaintances turn to friends i hope those friends they remember me hold the night for ransom as we kidnap the memories not sure there is a way to express what you mean to me sit around a table and use those years as a centerpiece like those are just <sighs> standard bullshit like <sighs> macklemore lines it could be from any sigh, song sigh. yeah um but that chorus like with the the gang vocals is and the like badly played banjo in the background is so man from Mumford and Sons. <laughs> Got that big Mumford energy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So like, it's really hard to say is like, is, are we not supposed to take the verses seriously then? I don't know. Like it's, is I mean, he all, is he saying this is all just fluffy, nostalgic, like nonsense? I don't know like, if I, I feel really, like I don't know what to make of it. I feel like I don't know if he has the the depth to, <laughs> to make that kind but, of statement. <laughs> but why why the verse with that chorus? Unless That's what I'm saying. unless the chorus is 100 percent sincere, there's always that possibility. <sighs> Maybe he just was trying to be Mumford and Sons rather than trying to mock Mumford and Sons. But the voices are so silly on purpose. <laughs> like it, I mean, it seems like they have to be because well, they're even like kind of like. They even have that like somewhat, somewhat like faux Irish pop like pronunciation. But again, he could know. just be trying to be Mumford and Sons. <laughs> I believe um, he lost um, like I don't know best selling record of the year or whatever to Mumford and Sons. Like they they were also this year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Sai No More, I believe. <sighs> All right, we we got. I gotta go make calzones. Yeah. For is that how you pluralize calzone? Uh, I think in I or I almost said Irish. I think in Italian it would be calzoni. Calzoni with an, with an I at the end. I think I was doing a Spanish pluralization. Yeah, I mean, all this will be linked in the learning links. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> because the, calzone is definitely not a word that has been borrowed into English, and it should definitely maintain its original. Uh, italian um pluralization yeah gobble ghoul <laughs> gobble you ghoul to you my good sir uh it's nice to talk to you and to anybody else other than the lovely people in my house who i see constantly every yeah. 
moment of every day. (laughs) 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 This is a wonderful refuge that I hope I can continue to do. (laughs) Cameron, same, same. Yeah. Mm. Shout out to Rachel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to all our families who we love, but also, you know, it's nice to have friends too. (laughs) Yes. Um, all right. Well, until we talk about what are we talking about next week? Um, mm. I guess it's going to be this unruly mess I've made it's with Ryan Lewis. Hey, that seems like a very self-aware title to me. Maybe. It seems like he's talking about his success. Maybe it could also be just a Mumford and Sons type bullshit thing. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it's I always know. hard to tell. It's Poe's laws of of, uh, of Mumford and Sons. Yeah. Mumford's Law, he might say. <laughs> Mumford's Law? Oh, shoot. I was going to have NPR Cool Dads be the title of the episode, but maybe now it needs to be Mumford's Law. Uh, shit. Fuck. Uh, shit, It's damn. an embarrassment of riches. What are you going to do? Um, <sighs> all right. Well, until we talk about this unruly mess I've made, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Tweet us at Topias Podcast. Uh, you can go on iTunes, write us a review. If you want to support us making the show directly, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxit.website. You'll also get access to our weekly mini show, which is called What's in the Box Weekly. And we talked about a lot of shit tonight. Briefly oh, yeah. briefly about The Last Kids on Earth and uh, Love, Death, and Robots, which we did Kipo not... Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beasts. We, those we talked about more in depth. Uh, Kipo in the age of the wonder beast and i talked about the last we talked kingdom. about the wonder beasts those wonder beasts <laughs> those More wonderful beasts oh boy. all of them <laughs> uh you should also check out cameron's other podcast which is called get in the <laughs> i almost said get in the cool <laughs> get in my belly get in the it's cool a- <laughs> <laughs> oh boy it's called get, get up. up in the cool yes uh, one time, uh, one of the guests on get up in the cool it's an old time music podcast so it's like fiddle and banjo music um at playing it and talking about it one of my guests uh who was a boomer uh at the end of the episode she plugged get up in the cool to the listeners of get up in the cool like everyone should listen to get up in the cool what? that's like what she said <laughs> but but she said yeah and everyone should should uh, listen to getting up in the cool <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah it was one of my favorite moments that's, that's, happened on the show. that's very endearing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hey, I'll let, uh, you know what? You know what? Let's plug uh, uh, Think Outside the Box Set. Hey, everyone should, ch- should check out a <laughs> podcast called Think Out Thinking Outside the Box Set. <laughs> everyone give it a listen. Ah, uh, uh, shit. All right, well. I wish you would. <laughs> until next week, I've been Nathan Hunt, and to our listeners named Sylvester, your name is not the sexiest part about you, but you are very Aww. sexy. And I've been Cameron DeWitt, and come on, you guys, capitalism, homophobia, (laughs) seriously. You guys. You should know better. See, I had thought that my computer was completely... um, uh, still set up from last week, but it turns out I had plugged my headphones into it instead of the line-out jack to the Skype computer. Ah. Uh, so, oh, this one, for the first time in history, is on me, Cameron. Uh-huh. <clears throat> well, it's never been me before, but first time for everything. 
at least you're 99.9% perfect. I don't know if it's that low. I mean, <laughs> I would say 99.9999999999 <laughs> with a little bar over it. 